Good morning, everybody. It is good to see all your beautiful faces in the room. I was reminded of this verse in Acts 2. And I'm going to read this section starting in 42, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in needs. And this was the part that struck me. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They also met in homes for the Lord's suppers and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You ready? All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each single, each single day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I was struck this morning that, that we can come in the same place with different mindsets, with different ideas. But when we come and we put the name of Jesus first, we are coming together as one. We are coming together in unity. We are coming together with one heart, with one mind to pursue the God of creation. And this morning as, as we jump into worship... Let's put aside what's going on. Let's put aside what's in our hearts, what's in our minds, and let's focus on the one. Let's focus on the one. The one who created, the one who gives life, the one who has a plan, who has a purpose, the one who, who, who is there every single moment, who create, he creates unity where there is not unity. And so this morning, as we jump into worship, let's turn our hearts to the one. So just as we were in worship there, I just felt the words that in the, in the Bible where God says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, but where is the place that you will build for me to dwell? And just as we're singing this, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's just like God said to me, this is where I want to dwell. I've created heaven I've created earth, but this is something that we give to him. This isn't something that he's created and takes. This is something that he's created and we give back to him. Can we just position our hearts in a place like, God, this is where I want you to dwell. This is, I'm preparing this place. So just as we sing, I love you, I love you, just prepare this place for God to come and dwell. Because I think this morning has been amazing and I think there's more there's more if we can just prepare that place for him God so father we invite you and we say we love you God we want you to come and dwell here we want you we want this to be a place where you love to sit and you love to soak and the presence is the, the praise is so amazing that you stop what's going on in heaven and go I need to go down there I need to live inside Paul I need to live inside Cam. I I need to just go and dwell inside them. So God, we love you. We want this place to be beautiful and just an essence that you love, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. But I'm just feeling we've we've entered this place where God's asked us for our, our heart and we have the choice to give it to him or not. 
There's, there's so often we kind of get caught up on form. We get caught up on, oh, well, I should go to church and it should look like this. Or, or, uh, or if you're in a relationship of any sort, it's, oh, I need to do these few things and then that person will love me. But really, with my wife, she doesn't care what I do. She wants my heart. And I feel like we're in this moment where, where the form doesn't matter. For some of us, giving our whole heart to God is coming up here and yelling. For some of us, the, the giving our whole heart to God is sitting there quietly and saying, God, you have my heart. God, you have my heart. God, you have my heart. And, and, and I actually feel like we're supposed to sit here for a couple more minutes, and we are all asked the most important question of God, will we give God our hearts? Will we fully give God our hearts? God, you can have our hearts. God, you can have our hearts. God, you can have our hearts. There's the uh, story where the Israelites are told to march around Jericho and to not say a word. For a lot of them, that was really, really hard. <laughs> We all have those people in our lives. But when God says something, when he has our heart, and this is something I'm learning in my own life, when God says something, if he has my heart, I will do it. If I have my heart, if my TV has my heart, if my friends have my heart, if my job has my heart, it's a lot easier to say no to what God has to say. But when we can be people who say, God, here is my heart, and He says to be silent, this is a season of silence then it's a lot easier to be silent. And I actually see that at the end as we were shouting and throughout worship as we were shouting, it's actually a season of shouting. Because after seven days of marching around Jericho, quietly, God said, God said, shout. And the walls came down. And as we were worshiping this morning, I actually saw there are so many people in this room who you have been, you've been hidden, you've been quieted, you've been, uh, you've been praying for someone for a very long time and you feel like it's like silent. And, and, and even as we were shouting earlier, there were things that fell down. There are things that we've been praying for a long time that started to move and to shake and to quiver. And, and maybe that's weird for you, shouting in church. 
but I actually feel to to wrap up this time that we've spent glorifying God. <laughs> if you know me, I'm not a shouter. But I actually feel there's a call that as a church family, as a community, it's time to move into a new season. And when God has our heart, it's easier to move into a new season. There's so many things connected this morning, it's crazy. But as we transition to the next part of our service I'm going to ask everybody to get a little bit weird and I feel like to wrap up what God has been doing this morning we just need to shout for me that's weird I'll just be honest for some of you that's normal we're all different and that's what makes us a family But if we can do this together as a family in unity, whatever the level, whatever the sound, whatever comes out of your mouth, let's just shout. You ready? Amen. You ready? Yes. Bring it. Good morning. Okay, everyone stand up real quick. The Lord showed me something about a few weeks ago what to, to minister on this morning. And any time I've ever, in the 30-some years of ministry, shared this, uh, there's always healings and there's always deliverance. Always. And it's without fail. But part of it has to do with you guys. You have to receive it. And, and it's part, a big part, it's a, it's a basic principle and foundation. Love, forgiveness, and repentance. 
But the first thing we have to do is we have to cast off and throw off the, the weights and the burdens of the world. And, you know, there's a fresh, I don't know if you guys have recognized this, but do you remember a year ago or a year and a half ago where that spirit of fear just kind of swept through? It really did. It was, it was really horrendous worldwide, some worse than others. Guatemala was unbelievably difficult that way. But then it started to wane. But I believe that's a lot to do with the prayers of the saints. And we started to receive. And we started to, the word of the Lord started to come. And we started to embolden ourselves. And we shook off those things. And, and that, but that spirit of fear has been kind of creeping back in. I want you to recognize that. And just all of a sudden in the last week or two, even in a greater way, it's been starting to come in. And so we cannot afford as believers, as saints, as children of God to let that land on us. Because if it lands on the saints, if it lands on the church and it hinders us, the world is hooped. (laughs) They don't have a hope. Because we are, because of Christ in us, we are the hope. We're the voice. So we can't afford, we can't afford to, to let that spirit of fear hinder us, stop us from pressing forward. Amen? So just, just Lord, we cast it off right now. That spirit of fear. We shake it off, oh God, in Jesus' name. We say thank you, Lord. We put on the spirit of faith. Amen. Yeah, just like them. You just kind of got to shout, only I'm not quite as loose as them, you know, but, but we have to literally shake it off every day. Amen? Amen. Is it shaking off? If your neighbor's not quite so loose, shake him a little bit. Shake him off. We have to do that. We have to shake off. It says, it says, it says, cast our cares. And that spirit of fear, we stand against it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now you can have a seat. Now, I thought that worship this morning was also really wonderful. It was beautiful. It was, uh, it was, there's nothing quite like that, you know. And I always like liken, I always think of God, you know, the Lord's Prayer. That, that, that's a model prayer. It's a foundation for us in our whole life. And, you know, when it says the first thing we do, we worship God, right? Our Father, who's in heaven, holy is your name, we worship. But then it says, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we start out, and we worship God. And, and I always think of it, it's like, uh, he looks down, and I think it really pleases him. And I think of it, I think of my, I put myself in that place when there's worship, and my granddaughter, Melina, is up worship, worshiping and stuff, and I can't help but smile. I mean, I love it. I just love watching her. She just, it gets so involved. The rest of you are okay too, but, you know, but <laughs> you're all right. But my granddaughter, she's my blood. Amen. Amen. And I, I just ask my wife. I tell her all the time. I just, it just makes me happy and smile, except for now that crazy hairdo. I don't know about that one, but no, <laughs> the rest of you don't know about that one. No, anyway. But uh, we just say thank you, Lord, that you've given us that honor, the privilege to worship you. But then the next part is your kingdom come. Amen? Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and we can't do that unless we are fully prepared and fully equipped. And in this day and age, how many know where it says let your kingdom come? We're, we're seeing coming to the very end of that. Amen? 
We're coming to a very end of that. And, and uh, you know, I was meditating a little bit on the word and, and what I was going to share a little bit. And, you know, the God always adds these extras. And you're trying to think, how can I put that in? How can I add that in? You know, we, we know we're in a marathon as, as believers, right? We know we're in a race. We know that, that he, he tells us to, to look to the end, look to the prize so that we can finish. And, and I remember I've run a few marathons, and I think the, the second marathon I did was, was in Guatemala, and it was in like 32, 33-degree heat. And I was about seven kilometers off, ready, you know, from the finish line, and I'm ready to quit. I am just ready to quit. Uh, it's like, I am tired. My, I had blisters on my blisters, you know, and it's hurting. And that's kind of what I feel like right now in the world and, and in the church. Afghanistan and, oh, some of the other nations, Haiti, and like things that Guatemala's gone through, and not just Guatemala, but so many and, and they're in that position right now at the end of the end, and it's kind of hurting, right? And it's kind of tough. And that's where the Lord says, no, it's time to, push on. You know, we're very blessed in North America. You know, more, most of this is inconvenience to us, but to much of the other parts of the world, it's not. But God says we, God's called, I believe us in Canada, to come alongside, healing for the nations, right? But to come alongside those who are in challenging. And you know what put me through? You know what made me make through? It's when my wife came out and she ran with me the last, what, four or five kilometers, well, I couldn't quit now. This is like, you know, <laughs> couldn't let her win. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, that's what we're, we're here for, is we're here to, to lift each other up so that we don't fail. Amen? We can't fail. We can't afford to. We're so close to the finish line. You can see it. You can taste it. You can feel it. But the Lord says he's always saves the best for the last. He's always, the last part is going to be the most glorious and the most amazing. And it's starting to be released. But there's a couple things that we have to remind ourselves. When we're in this race, the one thing that you start to do, you know, you start out and you have a little, uh, you know, um, uh, a, sweat, a sweater on or sweat, uh, what do you call it? sweatshirt or whatever because it's cooler. But... When the last four or five kilometers are running, you're taking all your clothes off. Well, not all of them. Keep your shorts on. But you're taking, it's like, okay, every little bit of weight, I'm getting rid of this because I'm going to finish, you know. And that's where we are. We need to, to remember, remind ourselves to get rid of every weight and every encumbrance that's, that's holding us back or that the enemy can grab hold of. Amen. And so, so I don't generally like putting titles on, on messages, but, but if you want to put a title on this, it's love, forgiveness, and repentance. Normally, we talk about love, hope, and faith, these three, right? But, you know, really, uh, they all fall into the same. They're all together. Amen? I just got to put my... Musical interlude, please. Oh, didn't work. Okay. Anyway, it wants it. This is always the problem when ask for your facial ID. Okay, there we go. This morning at five o'clock, I got woken up at five, and I'm an early riser to begin with. But this time I woke up, it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and uh, 
it was kind of a cool little voice. It was, it was neat. You know, a lot of times the Holy Spirit talks to you just, you know, little things, little reminders in, in a, you know, nonverbal way, pictures sometimes. But this morning it was a very clear words. And, and, and uh, so I took note. It's like five in the morning. And I had this conversation with the Holy Spirit this morning. And actually, it was a one-way one exhortation, really. He was doing the talking. I was listening. And uh, he says, Kim, you know, and that's why I started the way I did about running the race. I wasn't going to share any of that. But he said, there's a correlation between the physical and the spiritual, between the, um, the, the physical attributes. Like, how many, how many hate being, now this might be politically incorrect, but I'm not a politically correct person. How many hate being overweight? Feeling sluggish. We all do. Feeling like, ah, oh, you know, just don't have the energy and blah, blah, blah. So what do you do? You say, okay, tomorrow. It's always tomorrow, by the way. It's never today. Have you ever noticed that? Tomorrow or next week, I am going to. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. But you start, there are practical things in which to do, right? Get rid of the fat, Right? And, you know, we're our own worst enemies, right? You know, like you always look, you always look fatter to yourself than what other people see yourself, right? Why are you looking at me? Uh, so, okay. So, because you're not fat, so I, I, don't, I know I'm not worried. <laughs> I don't have to worry, right? <laughs> this is touchy subject, isn't it? No. <laughs> I'll come over here. I'll talk to skinny, skinny Cam here. No. <laughs> But, but he, you know, the correlation between that, he says, so what do we do? We start to get exercise ourselves. We start to, to, to work out. We start to diet. We start to do these things so that we lose weight. The fat gets off. But, but other things start to happen, right? Our mind gets a little sharper. Does you get rid of the, the junk, like the sugars, right? You're, you're, you start to look better. You start to... Think of yourself as better. Energy is a little bit more, right? And I can sp- talk this because I'm in the middle of this right now. And, I, and I was thinking, I'm starting to feel better because like about a few weeks ago, I was feeling sluggish. That's what happens when you don't preach, you know, like you normally do. And you're sitting in the couch watching TV. Uh. <laughs> but then, he st- then the Holy Spirit starts to say, he says, he says Kim, he says, he says, in the same way, he says, in the Spirit, it's time it's time for us to get spiritually fit. So the first thing is, let's lose some weight. We've got to lose some weight. We have to stop what we're eating, some of the things that we're in eating, and start to get, have a better diet. And he started to show some of this to me. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 this is really good. I should preach this, you know? And, uh, but I says, but what has that got to do with love, forgiveness, and, and repentance, God. You know, I was thinking like, you know. And he says, everything. Well, let me share a little bit about it. So first of all, he tells us in the word of God, he says, run the race. Amen. Stand firm. Stand strong. Being equipped. Work out. I love that. Work out our salvation. Work it out. In other words, it's a job. It takes a little bit of sweat to work it out. Throwing every burden, casting every burden, 
In other words, lose some weight here. And that's when I was looking at myself this morning. I said, yeah, I got a little bit of weight, a little bit fat. I got to get rid of a little bit of this weight, spiritually speaking, and cast it on the Lord. Because the end of the end times, we need to be prepared. We need to be sharp. We need to be, be ready to run to the finish line. Amen? So that's why I said just at the beginning, stand up and cast those burdens. So first in Philippians 3.14, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it means to press? Has anyone ever tried to press bench press? Weights that you've never done before? So we're in a place now where God says, you're going to be, need to do some things you've never done before. You're going to have to bench press 200 pounds where you've only before pressed 150. But we have to press on to the upward call. That's what God's calling us as a church to do. Are we going to take the challenge? Can I have an amen? 2 Timothy 2.5. An athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So there's no cheating. There's no cheating. I'll let you figure that one out. You know, we hear about love and how it goes with hope and faith, but I want to share a little bit about love, forgiveness, and repentance. Did you know love is the master key to everything we do? Everything. And so this is, like, this, this is like back to basics for us. Love is the master key. In Guatemala, how many have been to Feviva? There's a few. We have about 120 doors in our compound. Not joking. There's like 100 and maybe even more than that. And so you, you're carrying around this huge stack of keys. That's why I don't carry them. Because my pants fall down. And I don't like that. But my wife, she carries them. She has this huge... <laughs> Huge ring of, she's the key bearer, you know. And, and, and you get to these doors, and we have them all marked, you know. Like, she's got them all marked where it's like uh, P7, X3. And then, or some of them have a little color, yellow, pink, green. I haven't remembered them all yet. So the first thing that I do is I say, Lynn, which one is the key for the medical clinic? <laughs> She goes, it's the one marked with, you know. She knows them all. She's my master key, you know. But, but if you have a master key, all you need is one key to open up every door. One key. Doesn't that sound simple? Love is that key to the kingdom of God. Love is that key to every door in heaven. It opens up every, every blessing, everything. pertaining to life and godliness for us in our life. So we have to remember what that is. Amen? Forgiveness is a two-sided coin. Forgiveness and repentance are qualities of love. Okay? Love is what makes it all work, first of all. But then forgiveness and repentance are qualities of love to forgive is to extend love and to walk in love. To repent is to receive love and be filled with the goodness of the Father. But they're the same coin, forgiveness and repentance. And that's what I want to really, really focus on. 
You can't have one without the other. Forgiveness, it's a two-sided coin. One side, forgiveness. The other side's repentance. They work together. You can't have one without the other. Forgiveness is dealing with others. Repentance is dealing with self. Amen? Mark 11, 24, 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. And they, there they go together. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Colossians 3.12 Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Those are all qualities of love. They're all qualities, the fruit of love. Forgiving each other. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Don't you just hate those when he says those things? You have to. You, you must forgive. It's not an option. It's not that, you know, a choice. It's, it's, an, it's a must. It's an absolute that we walk in, lo- in love and that we forgive. Got you so far? And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. But he says, above all, we put on love. Here's love, a quick brief description of love. Love is not a feeling, although feelings are part of it. Love is not uh, an emotion, although emotions have a part to do with an expression of love. Love is not something that we, that we decide or choose. Love is something we put on. Love is an action. Amen? And so, therefore, we say, when we put on love, and it says, the greatest example of love or description of love is God. God is love. But then God says he has, put his, he has given us the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And he can say that because you've received Jesus Christ. You have received love. And then he says, now we put it on like a jacket, like a sweater, like pants. Be fully, fully uh, presentable. And then we go out and give it to others. That is love. Amen? And he says it's not optional as believers. And so that is number one. That is number one. But now, he tells us in another story in Mark 11, the story of the fig tree. How many know that story? And he says, on the following day, in Mark 11, 12, 14, when they came to Bethany... Jesus was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Oh, have you ever done that? Seen something? Oh, you see a fridge, and you're really hungry. You open up the fridge, and there's nothing but buttermilk. 
It's like, oh, that's horrible. I hate these people. Don't they buy any food? No. <laughs> so Jesus, he went, and he couldn't find any fig trees, so he says, nothing believes. But it, but it wasn't the season for figs. Think about this now. Here's Jesus growing up in Israel. It's like me growing up, uh, being 30 years in, in Guatemala. I know when there's mangoes on the tree. No one has to tell me. In, in uh, August, September, when I, when I go back next week to Guatemala, I'm not going to go to the mango tree and say, oh, I can't wait to have a mango. Because there's no mangoes on the tree. I know that because I've lived there for so many years. It's not mango season. Now, I wish there were, right? But I know there isn't. And here's Jesus. He goes to the fig tree and he says, I'm hungry. Oh, I want figs. But it's not the season for figs. But he says, there's no figs. Oh, man. And he said to the fig tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. I curse you to death. And as the disciples heard it. So he said it physically. He said it out loud. And then he walked away. And they're, I'm sure they're scratching their heads. They think, what was that all about? Poor tree. He just cursed the fig tree. What's with that? And then it says in a little bit later, in verse 20, he says, three days later, here comes Jesus with his disciples, and they passed by in the morning, and they saw that fig tree withered at its roots. It was all dead. And Peter remembered, and he said, hey, Jesus, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. It's dead. Wow. It not only not has figs on it, it's dead. The roots are dead. And what does Jesus reply? He says, have faith in God. What has that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with no figs on this tree? <laughs> Have you ever thought of that to yourself? Now, most times when people preach this or teach this, they talk about faith. They talk about that's what it is, but in re it, which is good, and it's true, but in reality, it's not talking about that at all. It's talking about something completely different. He says, I say to you, remember when Jesus ever says, truly I say to you, or truly, truly, he said, no, that means Take stand. Listen, this is really important. And he says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Again, what has this got to do with figs? What has this got to do with the fig tree? We'll find out. And then he says something absolutely astounding. And he says, and if you have anything against anybody, and yes, that includes your mother-in-law. Yeah. Who, who said that? No. <laughs> that includes our brother Dipstick and sister Ding Dong. Yes, every church has one. No, <laughs> except for this church. It doesn't, no. <laughs> I have to add that in there. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. Because if you have anything against anybody, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your sins as well and your trespasses. So something... Something 
all of a sudden switched from love to forgiveness to prayer. And prayer has a part to do with this. And this is one thing I greatly appreciate about this church and Pastor Mark in particular, that he, he spends, he goes to great lengths to, to, to talk about the presence of God and to talk about prayer and to put prayer as a priority, which has everything to do with the presence of God. But you see, if, if we are walking, if there's unforgiveness or even unrepentant heart in us, it says it hinders our prayer. And if it hinders our prayer and it hinders us from entering into the presence of the Lord, we're finished. We're done for. Did you, do you see that, the correlation? It doesn't just affect us. It affects everything. And so therefore it says, that is above all put on love, let us go out in love, but this is something that we have to examine ourselves today because we're going to need it tomorrow like never before. If you, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And there is a war coming. It's already here, but it's coming even greater. But he says he takes the church, especially the ones who are prayer warriors, the ones who he's equipped you don't, you don't think the last 10 years was just to, just to have fun, do you? In preparation, in training, guess what? It's all for the day of war. And there's a day of war that's upon us. And so now is the time. And do you know what you do on the day of war, the day before it comes? You check your armor, right? You make sure that everything's working. You make sure that the guy who's beside you knows what he's doing, right? You make sure that, that you're fully prepared. You make sure that, 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 that you're trained, but, the, but it's too late. The training already needed to take place, so it's too late to start training, but now it's time to act. And all that training was for today. So all this last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years even for this church, it's for this day. Wow, sobering thought. But there's the one thing that we have to examine on the day of war. Make sure there's no rocks in your backpack. Make sure you cast out every weight, every encumbrance. Make sure that there's nothing that's holding you back. Making sure that, that you have all your armor on. So that you're pre fully prepared. And that's what we're in right now. Amen? We usually hear about the fig tree in relation to faith. I said already. But it's about forgiveness and repentance. To curse. So now we're going back to the fig tree. This is what happened. See, to curse is to pass judgment. Jesus passed judgment. And it wasn't for the fig tree. And it wasn't because he was hungry. It was there to teach the disciples a lesson because he knew the day of war was about to come. So he brought this lesson for them and he says, to curse was to pass judgment on something. Right? You got that so far? To pass judgment is to hold one guilty and worthy of punishment. There are occasions where we can apply. There's occasions when the Lord tells us to to, to, to curse certain things, right? But in the case of the fig tree, it wasn't, because it wasn't the season for frigs, for figs, it was not the right to pass judgment on it. 
And Jesus was teaching a lesson. The outcome always ends in death. And he's referring to forgiveness. Or rather, unforgiveness. Because you see, this is what happens. Unforgiveness passes judgment on others. Or is passing judgment. And we're saying they aren't worthy to receive the grace of God. And thereby declaring themselves God over that situation and over that person. It's taking ourselves and putting ourselves in the position and the throne of God and saying, God, I know better. I've got this. They don't deserve your grace. So I don't extend it. I don't forgive them. And God turns around and he says, through Jesus, turns around and he says, then neither will I forgive you. And at that moment, your prayers are like brass. Heavens are like brass. It's very serious. So the moment we start praying and interceding, they're not heard. In 2004, the Lord Jesus, he came to me, took me out of my spirit, and, uh, and, and it was quite an experience. I wrote a whole book about it. It's for sale, by the way. No. <laughs> but but uh, one of the moments was when um, we were in the room, and it was the Holy of Holies. That's, it was a symbol of the Holy of Holies. The presence of God. And, and Jesus, he took my prayers. He, he, like he says, and he explained to me the altar of incense. When I asked him, what's that over there? I was really curious, you know. What's that? What's that? I'm like a little two-year-old. What's that one over there? What's that up there? What's this? Ooh, you know, I was all like, this is exciting. And I go, what's that over there? In the? And there wasn't a corner, but I went, what's that in the corner there, you know? And he goes, that's the altar of incense. Now, knowing my Bible school training kicks in, the altar of incense. The prayers of the saints. Ooh. It was, a, it was a pretty cool moment. And Jesus said, this is how it works. And he, all of a sudden, it's like I had gifts in my hands. It was really cool. And he, he took the gifts, and he says, those are the prayers that you're offering to the Father. But he says, I, Jesus, I am the one who puts them on the altar. And when I put them on the altar, the smoke, it's a, the incense, goes to the Father. And the father sees it, hears it, smells it, and responds to it. But then he turned and he showed me outside this room. And it was like a big dome. And outside you could see footsteps all over the place. And there were some gifts. on. And there was no door, by the way. He says you can only enter by faith. There was no doors at all. But there were some gifts, wrapped gifts, around the outside of this room. And, and, I'm, and Jesus is showing me outside of it. And I'm looking, and I go, well, are those the prayers? And he says, yeah, those are the prayers of the saints. How, what are they doing out there? And he says, well, they never gave them to me. I never received them. And if I've never received them, neither has the Father. Because only I can put them on the altar of incense. And it's all because... Our prayers are hindered. And our prayers are hindered because of unforgiveness. Now, repentance works in the same way. And I want to read a little. This is so cool. I love what, how the Holy Spirit works. This morning, my wife, she's so faithful with her devotions, you know. And she goes through how many know Oswald Chambers. I think we've read the book about 500 times. And you say, that one wasn't there last year. <laughs> how did that get in there, Right? Well, she's reading it this morning. This is like, this is what's kind of cool. This is for August 22nd. 
Have I ever come to the point in my life where I can say, I indeed, but he? Until that moment comes, I will never know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit means. I indeed am the end, and I cannot do anything more. But he begins right there. He does the things that no one else can ever do. Am I prepared for his coming? Jesus cannot come and do his work in me as long as there is anything blocking the way. Whether it is something good or bad, when he comes to me, I, am I prepared for him to drag every wrong thing I have ever done into the light? Ooh, that's a scary thought. That is exactly where he comes. Wherever I know, wherever I, I know I am unclean is where he will put his feet and stand. And wherever I think I am clean is where he will remove his feet and walk away. Repentance does not cause a sense of sin. It causes a sense of inexpressible unworthiness. When I repent, I realize that I am absolutely helpless, and I know that through and through, I am not worthy even to carry his sandals. Have I repented like that? Or do I have a lingering thought of possibly trying to defend my actions? The reason God cannot come into my life is that I am not at the point of complete repentance. And he goes on about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the reason. But he talks about the repentance. See, unforgiveness, repentance is the other side of the coin, is not forgiving yourself and not standing in repentance. For, I mean, we always blow it and miss it. But our prayers are hindered. You know how many times in, in the scriptures where it talks about, it says, make sure you are in good standing with your wife. Make sure, I should be looking at him, right, instead, right? But she'll nod and say, yes, yes. I'm not sure if you will, but, but it, says, it says, make sure that you treat them with respect and you love them. And this, is, this is works both ways with the husband too, but it says, so that your prayers aren't hindered. He didn't say so you could have a happy life and that, that, you know, go well with you. That works too. <laughs> but you know what he said? So your prayers aren't hindered. Because if your prayers are hindered, you're in trouble, man. Who are we going to go to? Right? And there's so many other scriptures where he talks about that. There's another one here. Let me read it. I've got to find it now. It moved on me. We need to keep the lines of communication open. But there's so many times in the scriptures where it talks about our prayers being hindered and stopped and altered. So we stand in prayer for Afghanistan. We stand in prayer for, 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 for Haiti. We stand in prayer for these things. And our, you know, I just read one yesterday. It was, a, it was one of the saints in Afghanistan. And he was basically saying goodbye. He says, please pray for my family and my children. Because I'm pretty much sure I'm going to be beheaded. I'm going to die because they're already searching for us. They know who we are, and I just want to be remembered. And he says, pray for us. Pray for That was his last words. Pray for us. So we go to God, and we pray for our brothers and sisters in, in, in Afghanistan, but God doesn't hear our prayer because of unforgiveness, because of unrepentant heart. And unrepentance is the same thing. It's, it's taking the place of God. It's sitting on the throne of God. It's eating from the wrong tree. And it's sitting, taking God off his throne, 
the judge, and is putting us on that throne, instead of where it's, where it's unforgiveness, where we're saying we know better, he's guilty, he's worthy of death, and he might well be, but no grace. But instead, we sit on the throne and we say, God, I'm unworthy. You can't use me. I can't be forgiven. And we're taking the same place as God. And, or, uh, and part of repentance as well is unrepentance. Is In other words, I am not sorry for my sin. But we're taking the place of God. Ooh, dangerous place to be. But at the moment we do that, all of a sudden, the Lord looks and he says, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear your prayer. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Sorry. It's not there. So the first thing we do is we look inside and we say, Lord, I'm not worthy, but yet I am worthy because of Christ. See, I'm being un feeling unworthy is saying the blood of Christ is not adequate. Amen? So every one of you understand this. We've all missed the mark, some more than others. And we're not worthy, but because of Christ, we are. We are worthy to receive everything that he's given us. Amen? And the moment we do that, all of a sudden, the windows of heaven are opened up. And God looks and he says, hey, I hear your prayers. Hey, I heard that. And it says, it says in the word of God that if he hears our prayers, what does it say? We shall receive if we have faith. But he says if we don't have faith, if we don't go to God in faith, don't think for a moment that you will receive anything from God. Well, those are harsh words. That meanie James, he's, he was pretty mean in that, in his epistle. Don't think you're going to receive anything from God if you walk in, in, in unrepentance and unforgiveness. Don't think you've received anything from God if you doubt. You know why? Because he ever received it. Amen. Those are harsh words, aren't they? But praise God, this is like, this is actually good news for us. He's giving us a way out. He's saying, all we have to do is say, ask forgiveness. Anyway, I want to carry on because I have to finish here. I want to share a story. Um, when I was in Africa, I think it was the very first time I was in Africa. So that's like 20 years ago or so. Um, I was with this, this one tribe. Um, and I think it was the Maasai, I can't even remember, but they, they were sharing a story because we actually got to go out and, uh, and, and they showed how they, how the, you know, they're basically farmers, goat farmers. That's mostly what they, or cattle. And, uh, and, but he says, they always carry this spear tipped with karari, very poisonous. I actually brought one home with my, for my son. And, uh, I just, I'm not sure if it actually had the karari. I told my son, just be careful. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I got it home. It was pretty cool. But but I also got a couple other things, and I'll share that in a minute. But but they shared a story about how they go hunting. They they eat monkeys. Anyone ever tried monkey? It tastes like chicken, by the way. 
Yeah, but this is what they, they told me the story. They said, well, how, you know, I'm curious. So they said, well, this is what we do. He says, monkeys are actually quite dangerous animals, and they're not easy to hunt because they're very skittish, and they run away, they climb up in the trees, but if you get too close, they can be really dangerous. So he says, what we do is we build a, like a wooden box. Not very big, just small, you know, maybe about two feet cubed, Right? And he says, very strong. We put a, a rope on it, and we, we peg that rope into the ground so that the, you can't remove the, uh, the box, right? And he says, we have the slats just big enough where a monkey can put his hand in, just wide enough where a monkey can get his hand in. And what we do is we find, it, we find the monkeys, and, you know, as you chase them, they'll all climb up, run into a tree. So once we have them in the tree, he says, this is what we do. We go and we, uh, we put these boxes and peg them around, maybe 100 feet from the, from the tree. The monkeys are curious. They're kind of like people. They're like, they're like adolescents, teenagers, very curious. What are they doing? What's going on? Is there anything to eat? You know? And, uh, and so they peg it into the ground, and then they put a piece of fruit or, or whatever in the middle of the, of the box, right? And so when they put it in, they just walk away. And he says, we go back a couple hundred yards, and we wait half an hour, 45 minutes. But the monkeys all of a sudden are looking. Ooh, it looks safe. They're far enough away, and that piece of fruit looks really good. Banana, apple, whatever, you know. And so the monkeys start to come down, and you guess what they do? They stick their hand in, just like this. They put their hand through the box cage just long enough to get through, but they grab the piece of fruit. The first thing they want to do is to run away with the fruit. But guess what? They can't get their hand back out because they have a big piece of fruit in their hand. And so they're, they're like this, and they're pulling. And, you know, of course, monkeys are really noisy, just like adolescent teenagers also. <laughs> You know, and they're pulling their, they're pulling their hand. They can't get the stupid piece of fruit out. Well, here comes along. Guess who? The natives, and they have these big clubs. I've got one of them at home, and and they're really cool. They're made out of iron, ironwood, really heavy. It's got a big bulb, um, uh, you know, at the end, and a, sh- point, a big point. Now they're they're really cool tools. I use it as a weapon for anyone who tries to break into my house. You know, so not, you know, like, yeah, I haven't had to use it yet. So praise God. But anyway, they come along, and they just walk up. He says, we just walk up. The monkey's looking at us, and is screaming, getting angry. It's kind of like Christians on a prayer night. Devil in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I've got the power and the authority. Everything is true. I command you in Jesus' name to leave. Everything is true, but the the monkeys they're screaming away at the end at the at the at the, uh, the the villagers, but they're not afraid. Guess why? Because the monkey's got his hand in the stupid cage, and he won't let go of that piece of fruit. There's another quality: they're very selfish. Monkeys are really selfish. Once they have something, it's theirs. This is mine. You can't have it, right? Now, what's that got to do with unforgiveness? Everything. That's like us Christians. We grab on to some. Well, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Mark eleven twenty four. 24 says, if you have anything against anybody, that pretty much sums up the whole thing, doesn't it? 
There doesn't leave any wiggle room in there. If you have anything against anybody, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with who's right or wrong. It's not about right and wrong. It's about life and death. Amen. And we're at that point right now. The devil's showing himself and he's coming along and he's got these big clubs and we've been trapped, many Christians, and they've got their hand in the cage and they won't let go of that stupid banana. And then here comes along the Holy Ghost and he says, just let go. Just let go. But guess what we say? No way. This is my banana. And I deserve it. It's mine. And, the, and, and he said, doesn't matter. I'm gonna, I have power and authority. And so the enemy comes in our lives just like that. Well, this is what happens to the monkey. Now, this is like a little, uh, uh, little disclaimer. This is a little bit graphic. So some of you kids may want to hold your ears. I don't know. But, yeah. But here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, uh, the natives with the big club, and the monkey's freaking out. He's hanging in, he's going, ha, he, ha, ha, and he's re- thing, showing his teeth, everything else. Now, if the monkey didn't have the, his hand in there, those natives would run, because they'd be torn to pieces. But they aren't afraid, because they have a club, and they come along, and they go, pow, knock the brains right out of the poor monkey. It's brains all over the place. Bam! Well, that's what the devil does to Christians so many times. He comes along and he's saying, and we're rebuking him in Jesus' name. I've got the authority. I command you, spirit, to leave in Jesus' name. And blah, blah, blah. And nothing seems to happen. And the devil's bashing us over the head with this club. And blood's spurting everywhere. Spiritual stuff, you know. And he's knocking, our, knocking the daylights out of us. And we're going, why, God, why didn't your word work? And the Holy Spirit is saying, just let go of the stupid piece of fruit. Just forgive. Just repent. You dummy. <laughs> just let go. Has anyone, everyone ever heard the Holy Ghost call you dummy? Okay, that's, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Sometimes he uses even stronger words. I won't even tell that one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I could say it in Spanish. You tonto. ¿Qué pasó con usted? Tú estás un idioto. Oh, you know what that one is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes the Holy Ghost has to be a little bit, little bit more brash, you know. But that's what we're doing. But we're at a time right now where the Spirit of God is saying, it is time because the battle's coming. Here comes the enemy. It's time to let go of every encumbrance and every weight. Every weight, everything that's going to hold us back to the finish line. Because we're this close. And the enemy, he's exposed himself. And he's coming out. And that's a time when it says, okay, I'm going to let go of anything. God, forgive me. God, I, I walk in forgiveness to those others. And we examine our heart. Lord, I receive because of, of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have made me worthy. But we recognize ourselves that we are worthy because of Christ, not because of who we ourselves are. And we receive what the Lord has given us. And all of a sudden, the enemy gets close enough and we drop the banana and the hand comes out and the enemy goes, oops, we better run. 
Because monkeys attack in mass. They don't attack one at a time. Monkeys don't attack one. They all come after at the same time. And that's what us as believers are to do. And the enemy doesn't have a chance. As long as you drop that stupid banana. Amen? And I believe the Spirit of God is preparing us as a body of Christ for that very moment, which is now, which is now in Jesus. Amen? It's time for us to examine ourselves. It's time for us to be ready for the battle. It's time for us to love one another. Above all, put on love. Above all. You can't put on love. You can't love someone else and walk in that love. Love is the greatest force in the, divine, in the whole universe because it unlocks the power of God. Remember I said it's the master key? Love is what unlocks the power and the dominion of God. And if you don't have the master key, neither will dominion nor power be yours to use. We must have the master key, which is love. And when we walk in love, it has nothing to do with who deserves it. That Vernon, sometimes, man, he must be a hard guy to live with. I don't know. Sometimes. He's so stubborn sometimes. You know? Oh, yeah, I hit something there. I don't know. Okay, I'll pray for you later. No. Sometimes he doesn't desire. No, it has nothing to do with Understand that. It has nothing to do with that. But by, because of love, we look at the example of God so loved us, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. And we put on love, as I have loved you, now you go out and, do, and put on that same love, and he says, you'll conquer the world. The enemy will flee before you. He'll come against you one way, but he's going to flee before you seven ways. But he's not going to flee if your hand is in the cage. Amen? So let's stand. And this is where we examine ourselves. I love this. In 1 Peter 4, it says, the end of all things is at hand. Whew, how fitting. We're in the end of the end times. Now, we don't know how long that's going to be. It could be a year. It could be six months. It could be five years. It could be longer. And you know why? Do you know why even... Not even Jesus knows the, the day or the hour because prayer changes things. Our prayers it changes things and prayer moves the hand of God Almighty. And that, therefore, it even extends the judgment of God upon the earth. So we yell out, we say, God, just one more soul. Just one more soul, Lord God. Just one more. Just give me one more, Lord. And, and, and it says the earnest, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Do you know what the definition of a righteous man is? Someone who's covered under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not someone who's has, or right standing with God, but not because of what you've done, but because of what you've received. Amen? And our prayers are not hindered. The fervent prayer. 
I was asking my wife the other day, what does it mean? What does the word fervent mean? It means persistent. It means diligent. It means pressing forward. It means not giving up. It means just pressing in. The fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes a lot. A lot. But what if our prayer is hindered? Then it's squat. It doesn't mean a thing because God hasn't heard it. He never received it. Never went on the altar of incense. We can't afford that. But we may be right at the end of the end. And it's about time to come. Amen? So then we say, Lord, I'm ready. How many are ready? How many want to be ready? Some of us aren't ready. There's many churches that aren't ready. Many individuals and saints are not ready. But there are those who are ready. God has his remnant who have prepared themselves for years in spiritual warfare and in the presence of God and and prepared for this day right now for the day of battle. This is where it all comes down. And yet some of us have that. We were hungry and we don't want to let go. We say, in humiliation, we say, okay, God, let go. This is the day of battle. This is the day where we pray and we stand and we take all of those possessions that God has given us, the power of God, the authority of God, dominion, to walk in divine dominion. One of the greatest weapons, tools he's given us, and yet we don't even see it on the earth only once in a while, but it's on its way in a big way. And it's for all of us to walk in it. But this is how, where we start. Lord, I examine myself right now. And I first say, forgive me. Lord, I first say, I repent of wrongdoing. Show me. I receive. And Lord, I ask your forgiveness over my brothers. It says, love covers a multitude of sin. When was the last time you prayed for a brother who you knew blew it? Missed the mark. Somehow we fell. Somehow she, she, she missed it. There was a problem. Something happened. They were in sin. When was the last time we say, Lord, forgive them for their sin? And we cover them by the blood of the Lord Jesus. We cover them by blood, by love. It says love covers them. The only thing it cannot cover is unbelief. That's the only thing it cannot cover. It cannot cover someone who doesn't ask Jesus as Lord and doesn't, isn't receiving it. Unrepentant heart. He says, then it can't do anything. We still pray. But we say, Lord, I cover them. I cover my brother and my sister in love. I cover them in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, I ask you, forgive them. Forgive them. That was the very thing that, that, that turned the Pharisees against Jesus more than anything else when he says, only God can forgive sin. And he says, okay, let me show you. And then he turns around and he says, Cam, it's time to forgive. Walk like God. Walk like God. Because God is love. And he says, now you walk in that love. How do we walk in love? What is love? Has anyone ever figured that one out? How do we walk in love? We feed the, we feed the hungry, we clothe the naked, 
We pray for those in need, for our saints and our brothers. We go forth and we protect the helpless. Amen? We show love. There's a scripture, I can't remember where, I was going to read it because I thought it was so good. And it says, again, another one, above all, it says, it says um, be hospitable without grumbling. I thought, oh my goodness, hospitality is pretty easy. The grumbling part, I'm working on. <laughs> when God says, I want you to do this, okay, I'll do it. Without grumbling. That's love. When a brother's in need, it, you, don't, you don't look at the way the balance is. Okay, he's in need. Oh, so let me see if he's earned his brownie points first. Well, he didn't even come and help me mow my lawn. He hasn't even called me. Ah, I don't, he doesn't deserve it. See, sometimes we think unforgiveness is these big things. No, they're usually the little wee things. It doesn't matter how small the banana is. It doesn't matter how small the, the piece of fruit is in the cage. You still can't get your hand out. Right? So we, we examine ourselves. And the best thing we do is we walk and we are determined to be Jesus on this earth. And sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it downright hurts. Sometimes it's, it's costly. Amen? Sometimes it's inconvenient. Oh, tomorrow, God. Not today. I got a football game to watch. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm exposing one of my sins here. <laughs> my wife just this morning asked us, Kim, are there any football games that I need to be aware of today? <laughs> I go, nope, they were all done yesterday. <laughs> so I repented this morning, and I'm good to go for the rest of the day. Amen. <laughs> okay, so close your eyes, and I'll end in this. But in this is one minute, one minute. Uh, oh, I, wanted to, I want to share this one testimony. Can I have one more minute? I always want. No, this is so good. This is so good. I, got, I love sharing testimonies. And this one, so I've, I've got a hundred, at least a hundred of these same testimony about healing when it comes to this. And this is a many, number of years ago in Guatemala. We were doing an outdoor crusade. And this elderly gentleman, and when I say elderly, he was in his 70s, okay? So he was there, and he came up, and he was so filled with arthritis. I mean, you know the ones that have the rheumatoid where their hands are crippled up like this? And they're, like, he was so bad, and he walked with two canes, and he needed help getting up, and he was in such pain. It was horrible. It really was. It was hard to see. If you've ever seen elderly people with that kind of arthritis, it's so painful, but it's just ugly. It's ugly. It's an ugly thing. And he comes up, and I went to pray for him. We had an altar call. And I went to pray for him, and, and, and he told me what it was. And I started praying, and the Holy Spirit just immediately, as so sharply, he said, stop praying for him. What? Like, I, I never actually had that before. Don't pray for him. I go, what do you mean? He says, because you're wasting your words. And the Holy Spirit says he has unforgiveness and bitterness in his heart toward his daughter. That's what he, she said. So I said, um, I can't pray for you. And he looked. He's surprised. He's a Christian, by the way. He was a Christian man. I, what? What do you mean you can't pray for me? I says, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit told me that you have unforgiveness and bitterness towards your daughter. And he started to f- cry. 
And I, and, he, and I go, so what's that all about? And he says, my daughter, and I can't even remember the, it didn't, see, this is where it doesn't matter. It makes no difference if she was guilty or not guilty. I don't even remember. I think she, she did something where she stole some money from him or did something to him, but he had never forgiven her. And I said, the Holy Spirit said, unless you forgive her, neither can I heal you. And he started to cry. And he says, well, how did you even know? He says, the Holy Spirit told me. I'm not smart enough to know your thoughts. I'm really glad I don't know your thoughts. <laughs> and he repented. He said, God, forgive me. She was in the audience. She came up. And he forgave her right there. And I didn't even have to pray for her. Right in front of like hundreds and hundreds of people, this crippled man, as he's praying, he says, I forgive you. All of a sudden, his hands start to open up. His arms and joints started cracking. You could hear him. Crack, 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 crack. And he was completely healed in front of everybody just because he said the words, I forgive you. Oh, that was so powerful. That's what happens. So there's many of you in here that need healing, have been asking God for healing in your bodies. Or even deliverance. You've been fighting. There's some, now the Spirit of God is showing you something. Some of you have been fighting for a long time certain thoughts that have been attacking you and coming against you. And you fight them, you stand against them, but, but it seems like they keep coming and keep coming. And you're wondering, what's wrong? You know, why aren't my prayers being heard? He says, there's something there that you need to release. Are you willing to do it this minute? Because the minute you do, he says, all of a sudden, your prayers are heard and God responds. So, Father, we just close our eyes and we say, Lord, we forgive. Anything against anybody that has caused me harm, we forgive. Anywhere that I have placed, I have put myself in your place, I forgive. In Jesus' name, we cover ourselves by the blood of Christ. And above all, Lord, we put on love and we pray for one another. We pray for the unity within the body. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I release that healing right now over every individual, every joint, every, every thought that has been trying to hold people captive. We release it in the name of Jesus. We release healing and we command those things to be gone. That we can go forth the day of battle with power, with authority, with dominion. And everybody said, amen. Let us go on, and let's be ready for this incredible battle. Wow. So good. Um, thanks, Kim. Uh, and so, God, as this father and mother and grandma and grandpa, as they head back, God, to Guatemala, God, just go with them. Go before them, behind them, all around them, God. Thank you for their ministry and their legacy. And, God, I thank you that in this season, that as they partner with you, um, that, that you are doing above and beyond what they could ever imagine uh, or even dream. And so, God, I just thank you for this couple and what they mean to this church family. Thank you for what Kim brought this morning, God. And I just pray that all of us would continue to ask the question, God, what are you doing in me? In Jesus' name, amen.